Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Tonight, I want to talk to you about a, a, a message that I've entitled Christ Revealed. Christ Revealed. Uh, how many of you are thankful for the awesome weather that we've been having? Amen. It's a little bit better than the, than the normal uh, sweaty, sticky stuff that we all have to endure throughout the year. But I want to be talking to you about this message the Lord has laid on my heart entitled Christ Revealed. Because since the birth of Christ, the world has been trying to cover up Jesus. Since the beginning of time, since, since the, the, the foundation, since, since Christ was about to come and enter into this world, enter into this earth... Since he was about to make his, his grand entrance, if you will, there were numbers of prophets that were waiting, you know, a, a period of hundreds of years that had prophesied of this coming Messiah. They had prophesied of this one who was, who was to come into this world and there was going to be the living hope for all of mankind. And you and I today now know him as, as Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is Savior. But since the birth of Christ, I believe that the world has been trying to cover up Jesus. The world in this holiday season and in its holiday spirit has been doing everything it can to actually twist the truth of the true meaning of Christmas. Amen? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, it should be no surprise that the enemy is always trying to deceive God's people and deceive the world. It's who he is and it's what he does. But as believers, I want us to cautiously approach Christmas in a new way this year because I'm sure that we've all allowed certain feelings or emotions to get the best of us. It's during this time of the year that actually tensions rise. You know, in a time where in, when we're quoting the famous verse, you know, peace on earth and goodwill to all men, it's actually uh, a, a stressful season for a lot of people. Moms and dads are probably, you know, spending everything and trying to get everything that they can to get presents ready for their families and gifts for their loved ones. And, and you know, we, we go through a lot as parents. I remember my, my parents as, as, as a kid, you know, they, they did everything they could to give us a, a great Christmas. They did everything they could to, to you know, uh, provide, you know, whatever it was that, you know, our hearts had desired. If it was a new bicycle, you know, if it was a new you know, something, you know, they, they did everything in their power. And I want us to just remember God as a father for a moment because sometimes I think we, we, we lose sight of who he is. Christ came as a gift to the entire world. Amen? Christ came for you and I to receive unto ourselves the hope that we wouldn't have to live in a hopeless world or have a hopeless ending, but that we could find peace in him and find peace in who he is in our life. And so when we open gifts this year, every, every gift that you and I have ever written on a list, and I remember, you know, how many of you wrote your list when you were a kid? Anybody still do that? All right, well, you know, I tell my wife to give me a list. I'm like, hey, let's, let's not play any games here. Just, just tell me what you want, you know. You know, when I was younger and more daring and, and not legally married, you know, I used to guess a lot and I would try to figure out what it was that she wanted. And then I was like, you know what, just write it down, plain and simple, you know, let's, uh, let's take the guesswork out of it. 
But you've written your list and you've, you've gotten that thing ready in, 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 in hopes that you're going to receive the thing that you've wrote down on a list. You write that list and you write it in anticipation, hoping that those that you've presented that list to, to your parents, to your loved ones, a spouse, whoever it may be, those who you presented that list to are going to get you one of those things that you have been praying for. Amen? You've been praying for the new Apple whatever. You know, you've been praying for the new, you know, set of something. And so there's an excitement that will build up into that moment of finally unwrapping something that took somebody so much time to think of and effort and, and you know, feelings and, and amount of money to purchase to give them a great feeling. But for every one of us, if we try to find peace and hope and joy and we try to find, you know, some kind of inner, you know, peace in a gift, we're selling ourselves far short. Amen? Because every single thing, the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away. The Bible says to not place our trust in things that will rust, in things that will decay, in things that will one day be nothing. I believe it was Chuck Swindoll who said this uh, awesome quote. He said, you know, uh, possessions are, are, are okay. You know, it's okay to have possessions. He said, but it's not okay for possessions to have you. It's not okay for the things that you want in life to actually lord over you and that you are living your life in such a way that you're doing everything you can just to have something. Listen, my friends, if you have Jesus, you have everything. Amen? If you have Jesus, you have absolutely everything that you need. And we can be content in that. We can have peace in our hearts, but still get, you know, give each other gifts, right? Ultimate peace and ultimate contentment and ultimate satisfaction in your heart and in your mind and in your soul can only be filled with Jesus. Amen? And so the world, though, might open a gift on, on Christmas morning and might open a gift during the holiday season and they might have that anticipation that that gift that they so desperately wanted is going to bring them some kind of peace that they could hopefully, you know, get through the season with. But I can tell you and rest assured that every time if an individual's hope is not founded on Christ, that those gifts will only bring a temporary moment of satisfaction. When I was a young person, when I was a, a little kid, you know, the gifts that we would get on Christmas, you know, they were so fantastic and they, they brought so much joy to our hearts. And I remember, you know, uh, when I was five years old, I had asked my parents for a drum set. I said, you know, I want a, I want a drum set. And, you know, uh, I don't even think I knew what I wanted, but, you know, I asked them for it anyways, and, and I got a drum. I didn't get the whole drum set. I got a drum. I got one. And I was like, hey, man, you know, that's a start. And I still have a picture to this day. I was like, you know, this big, and I'm, I'm looking at the camera like, oh, you know, I got a drum, you know, and I was so excited. And it was so fun to receive that thing that I had wanted, but what was so five-year-old of me was this, was that the thing that I wanted so much, I hardly ever messed with it because they got me something else. And my attention was drawn to the next thing that they got me, whatever it was, you know. And possessions and things that we can get and receive in this world have a, a ability, rather, to draw your attention in for a moment, and then you're not satisfied with them any longer. 
And this becomes a vicious cycle that the enemy wants to keep any one of us in because you'll never be content. You'll never find contentment in what you have. I remember growing up, you know, we had times and seasons where we didn't have a lot. You know, I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, there was times that, you know, we shopped at, you know, secondhand stores, garage sales, and wherever we could just to get what we needed to have. And there was nothing wrong with that. And it actually taught me that the things that I would later acquire in life were really meaningless. They were just things that I could get because it cost a, a certain amount of money, but it taught me something and it taught us all something. It should teach us this, that we must value things for, for what they're worth, but never above Christ. It's okay to take care of what you have. It's okay to possess things and have nice things. I'm not saying that it's not. But true richness is exalting Jesus above it all and knowing that he's the giver of all gifts, that every good and perfect gift comes from above, and that whether we have or whether we don't have, we still have everything if we have him. Amen? And so I want you to open your Bibles tonight. I don't want us to look at this story. It's a, it's a fantastic story, and I have a few minutes to tell you. Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. I've taught on this before a few years ago, and I want to touch on it again tonight. Luke 1 and 39, let's read this. When you're there, say amen. When it's on the screen, say amen. Amen, there it is. It says, at that time, Mary got ready, and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for tonight's word. Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now. Lord, I thank you, God, for this message. I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak, Lord, to every single heart present tonight. Those listening, Lord, and I pray, God, that our hearts would just be filled. Lord, we receive this word unto ourselves. God, speak to us, Lord, tonight. In a great and mighty way, in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I want us to read this again. Uh, let's read verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. Now, who's Elizabeth? Let me give you some background. Elizabeth is John the Baptist's mom. And she's currently expecting a child, okay? So... It says she's, there's so, it's two pregnant ladies talking together, okay? Does that make sense? <laughs> All right, just, just so we understand exactly what's happening here. I don't want you to get confused. So Mary is Jesus' mother. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. So if you can picture two nice pregnant ladies. I'm not making this up. They're pregnant. They greet each other. And the Bible says the baby leaped in her womb. Now that's Elizabeth's womb. This is John the Baptist is inside of her. And it says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine coming in contact with Mary, the mother of Jesus? She's carrying Jesus in her womb. Jesus is not even a baby yet. Jesus is not even, you know, physically in the earth. He's in Mary's womb. And they have this simple interaction. All they do is greet each other. 
And the Bible says that the baby leaps inside of Elizabeth's womb and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. It was not only an immaculate inception that Mary got pregnant by virgin birth. Now the Holy Spirit is so powerful in Christ, just the fact that his existence is inside of Mary causes Elizabeth to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you understanding this tonight? Are you seeing this? This is powerful. This is incredibly, incredibly powerful. She goes to her home. She greets her. And at that very moment, the baby leaps within her womb. The baby had leaped or kicked before, but this leap was completely different. I'm sure by this time, you know, John the Baptist was in there and he was moving around and doing all this stuff. But it was a sign to Elizabeth that the baby within Mary was very, very, very special. Incredibly special. Someone was about to be revealed to her under the filling of the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says that she was instantly filled. And so a very special, you know, spirit of prophecy was given to her. And that Holy Spirit seized her in that moment and led her to greet Mary as the mother of the Messiah, the coming Lord. Now Elizabeth it was living an obedient life before God. And this was, you know, reason for God to be able to use her and the Holy Spirit was able to infill her with his presence. And so Elizabeth, you know, declares in a loud voice she was full of joy for this, you know, coming Messiah. And she was, you know, speaking out, you know, in joy. And I want to read verse 42 now. Let's, let's read this again. Luke 1 and 42. It says, in a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you amongst women and blessed is the child that you will bear. Verse 43, she says, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I have to ask some questions to provoke our, our thinking tonight. I want us to think about this just for a moment, but when have you not been blessed for believing in God's purpose over your life? Just think about it. When have you not been blessed in believing God's purpose over your life? When has God failed to give you everything that you need and even more everything that you desire? Just think about that for a second. Sometimes the things that we don't have in this life is because we're not ready to contain the blessing. God's still working on us, and God's still doing something in our life. You might be thinking of something right now. You might say, well, Pastor Duke, I need this. Pastor Duke, I want that. Listen, that's okay. Heaven has already heard it. God already knows what you need. God already knows what you want. I believe the Lord has it in store for you. But guess what? We have to be able to be ready to receive the blessing. I've shared this testimony before, and I think it's important to note because I, I know this is how the Lord has worked in my life. There's been times that I've prayed for things, times that I wanted things, times that, you know, I had brought petitions before God, and guess what? They didn't happen. And I had to not question God and question his faithfulness or question his ability to, to fulfill that, you know, petition that I had. But I actually had to look inward, and I had to say, Lord, what is it? What is it, Lord, about, about me that, that I'm not ready for right now? I'll never forget, you know, when, when my wife and I, you know, wanted children, you know, we prayed and, and we thought, you know, she was, she was about to have a child and the complete opposite happened. She had to have a, a big surgery and all this kind of rush of emotions happened. 
And it would be like a three and a half year, you know, you know kind of a journey that we would go on. And I remember praying and just saying, Lord, you know, I want this so bad. And I know she wanted children so bad. And, and, and I felt the Lord, you know, speak to me one day. He said, hey, listen. You want a child. And I'm going to give you a child. But I need you to learn how to be a husband. You're not ready to bring a child into this equation. And I remember feeling such a, an amount of peace over my life, an amount of, of trust in my life towards God, because guess what? He knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen? He knows every part of our life. He knows that our heart is deceitful. He knows that we may say we want something. We, we may plead to him to have something, but he's like, you're not ready. You're not ready. And it was okay that God would give me that delay because how many of you know that, that, you know, delay does not mean denial. It just means that he's preparing something in your life and in your heart. And so ask yourself that question, when has God failed to give you everything you need and even more everything that you desire? You see, it's when we begin to get out of what God has said he will do for us is when we set ourselves up for disappointment. When you move out of the realm of faith and believing, you will set yourself up for, for disappointment. Faith pleases God, not disbelief. And so I want us to just go back for a second and, 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 and look at these verses uh, in, in this same chapter. But right before this miracle happened, right before Elizabeth you know, had been filled with the Holy Spirit, her husband, Zechariah, had a visitation from, from the angel Gabriel. And so here she is, you know, she had already, you know, experienced this thing, or, or she hadn't experienced it yet, because this is right before. But right before, he has this visitation from Gabriel, and he prophesied to Zechariah about who their coming son would be, and that would be John the Baptist. Now let's read this, verse 14, Luke 1 and 14. This is the angel Gabriel speaking to, to Zechariah. He says, he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Verse 16, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And, and verse 17, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? He said, I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Imagine having Gabriel, one of the archangels. He's like one of the right-hand men in, 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 the, in the kingdom of God. He comes and he delivers an important message to you. And he's telling you about who your son is going to be. He's literally laying it all out for you. He's saying, this is who your son's going to be. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of old, you know. You know we're kind of getting up in age. You know, I don't really know. And, and he's like, dude, 
what else do I have to tell you? And he's like, because you did not believe. Listen, you're going to be silent now until this happens. He actually, like, physically did not allow him to speak another word. Now, let me explain just for a second. Are you believing for what God has said to you or some wish that you wrote down on a list? Or are you believing for what God wants to accomplish in your life? Or are you believing in what you want to accomplish? They're all different things. Every single one of them has their place. Every single one of them has their purpose. I believe this Christmas season should serve as a great reminder of how we should approach our daily relationship with God, and that is by faith. And so tonight, if you'll allow me, I have just a few minutes. I want to give you a few things to just write down and keep in your notes to hang on to. We share this little story with you. It says this, a television interviewer was walking the streets of Tokyo during Christmas time. Much as in America, Christmas shopping is a big commercial success in Japan. And so the interviewer stopped one young woman on the sidewalk and asked, what is the meaning of Christmas? Laughing, she responded. She said, I don't know. Is that the day that Jesus died? And there was some truth in her answer. And so the first thing that I want us to understand is this, is we need to uncover Jesus. Just write that down. Just say, I need to uncover Jesus. Think of all the things that we do as a family. Think of all the things that we do as a body of Christ and begin to tear off the wrapping paper and the decor to get back to the place where Jesus is at the center of our life. There's a lot of things that we experience and there's a lot of things that we do and there's a lot of things that we Go by, you know, just maybe because it's routine for us now at this point. But I want us to uncover those things and, and, and kind of unwrap those things, if you will, to get back to where Jesus is truly at the center. There was a word given in the book of Revelation to the church to go back to their first love. And I have to say this because, because over time, you know, if many of you, you know, have grown up in church or maybe you've been in church for a long time and, and it, it's not what it once was. It's, it's changed over the years. You see, though culture changes, we have to understand that we still have the fervent responsibility to not change. To understand that the gospel has not been rewritten. To understand that the Bible, uh, the God of the Bible is still the, yes, still the same yesterday, today, and forever. To understand that the way that you came to him, which was by faith, has not changed. And so in order to maintain your relationship with God, you still have to trust him in faith. You still have to believe in every promise and every word that he has spoken over your life. Just because you've gone through a duration of time or in a season of life that now you've been in Jesus for so long does not mean that we have been excused for not having faith. We must still have faith because it's only by faith that we're going to please him. It's only by faith that you're going to move into the things that God has for your life. And if you're doing and trying to live this thing outside of faith, Outside of belief, outside of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill your life, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. And so we have to get back to the place where Christ is at the center of everything, where Christ is at the center of Christmas. Let's read Luke 1 and 46. Let's keep going. 
Mary now is about to sing a song for the experience that she just had. And, and I believe that this is so powerful just to illustrate because songs really are, you know, a, a, a weapon in the hands of God. They're, they are something that the Lord has actually given us for warfare. And it doesn't mean you have to know how to actually sing in tune or, or play an instrument. It's simply just a declaration of your heart. And so Mary in verse 46 says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. You see, when we tear off the facade that is, you know, things that we see in this world, things that you see on social media, living beyond our means and getting back to whom Christ actually is for us, I believe the world will see what Mary's saying. I believe that the world will actually see what Mary's saying, and that is the goodness of God. What's most impressive to God is not the fact that you showed up to this building tonight. What's most impressive to the heart of the Lord is not the fact that, you know, you know the songs or you, you know, you know, have the bumper sticker on your car. None of those things are significant. What moves the heart of God is when your heart moves. What moves the heart of God is when your heart is stirred so much to speak to this one, to tell of this one, to shout out the name of this one who has done everything that he's done for you. When your heart is so moved that you have to stop whatever you're doing, it could be at, at the worst place, at the worst time that you can think of, but in that moment you have to stop and give him praise because your God is so good. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for that heart that says nothing else matters. I just want to sit at the feet of Jesus. I just want to sing of his goodness. I believe that the world can't see Christ if we live just like the world. The world will never see Jesus in us if we are living exactly like the world lives. They'll see no difference. But if the wrapping or the facade comes off and our heart is revealed that we truly love and we truly honor God, we are unashamed of him in our homes, in our community, then and only then will they ever call us blessed. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. To enable you and I to become children of God. I'll say that one more time. The Son of God became a man. The Bible says that he humbled himself even unto death on a cross. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Now think about the gift exchange that took place. Think about the very gift exchange that took place when God gave his son Christ in exchange for our sins and our sonship. Think about that just for a second. The craziness as a father to give your son for people who were undeserving, unworthy. They did not merit the goodness of Jesus. They did not earn the favor of God. They cursed him. They were enemies towards him. 
They were people that wanted nothing to do with him. They were the ones that chose Barabbas instead of Jesus. And think how much of a, of a move of faith, think how much God loved us. That he knew if he gave his son. See, love, this unconditional love thing is that he knew he's going to give his son for many people that would not want him and not receive him to themselves. Didn't matter their condition. He knew that many, many people would reject him, but yet he still gave him. Yet he still asked him to come into this world to take the, the weight of the sin of this world to bear the cross upon his back for our sins. And I have to ask the question, if Jesus did something so great, if he did something so miraculous and so wonderful, if our souls have been set free because of it, and if our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and we are now on our way to heaven because of this gift exchange, then why are we trying to wrap him back up? Why are we allowing fear and why are we allowing society and why are we allowing the things that we experience in our world to cover him back up? When 2,000 years ago he came into this world with an announcement from heaven that said, this is my son. This is the coming Messiah. This is the one that you've been waiting for, for all the world to see. Why would the church want to cover him back up? God's always intended for him to be seen in this world through you and I. One of my favorite verses, I didn't give it to the guys, but it's John 3, uh, 13 and 35. Many of you should know it. But he said, the world will know you are my disciples when you love one another. When we hide the love of God, when we selfishly keep it to ourselves, somebody outside of the love of God is missing out on a chance to know what true peace looks like. They're missing out on a chance to know what true love looks like. But if we reveal Christ from our hearts, then Christmas has no end. Amen? But it's up to you and I to be better than some Christmas light or some flashy wrapping paper and actually show this world the love that God died to give them. I love this verse in Matthew 5 and 14. I know you know it. It says, but you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That would be to cover it. It says instead they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen? See, not just in December, but every single day that you live for Jesus. Not just when Christmas is coming and, that, that, you know, the guy sitting outside the Walmart, you know, ringing the bell for Salvation Army and all that kind of stuff. Or you see a homeless person standing on the corner and you feel like you're just going to be generous during this time of the year. No, we need to uncover Jesus 24-7, 365 days a year. Because you do not know when the Son of Man is going to return. We don't know when the day or the hour is going to come when God's going to split the sky and he's going to come back for you. 
We have to uncover him, church. We have to reveal him to this world. And so if the spirit of Crispus was alive year-round, more people would see the goodness of God. More people would know that God is real, that God is true. I'm not going to share this next part because I'm gloating. I want you to just understand that right off the bat. The Bible says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. But I want to share a testimony with you. When I left church last Wednesday night, was talking with some of our, 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 our young people, you know, after service and just fellowshipping. And I was approached by a man, and many of you had probably left church by that time. They're approached by an individual in the parking lot who, you know, wasn't able to attend service. And they literally just drove up, you know, as they saw the last, you know, three or four cars here in the parking lot. And this individual approached me and they had asked, uh, you know, he let me know a little bit about his story. He was just evicted from his apartment, had all their stuff still locked up in the apartment. You know, they were going through some really tough times. And I listened to everything that he had to say and, and, and you know, I prayed for him a few times because he actually had, you know, uh, some vision loss, you know, some blindness in one eye and I prayed for him. And my heart was so moved, not because of the need that he had, but just simply because he wanted the Lord. And he told me he wanted the Lord. And so as I prayed for him, I led him to Christ. And as I was praying over him, I was moved because I knew that I couldn't just leave him empty-handed. I knew I had to bless him some way, somehow. And I know that a lot of times when we're approached by an individual that maybe looks like, you know, they're homeless or they're, you know, experiencing something, I want us to just remove ourselves just for a second from judgment. And remove ourselves just for a second from, from being, you know, critical or, or judgmental. And trying to, you know, think, you know, oh, yeah, but they're probably into this and they're probably doing that and they're probably... And just stop for a second. And remember Hebrews. I believe it's chapter 11 or chapter 12. And it talks about how we're entertaining angels. And then remember scripture like this. When Jesus spoke and he spoke to the people and he said this. He said. The least of these. Shall be the greatest. And then he spoke out words like this. They, they asked him a question. They said, Lord, when did we ever see you poor? When did we ever see you hungry? When did we ever see you naked? When did we ever see you imprisoned? And he said, when you did it unto the least of these, you did it as unto me. Whenever you did it to the least of these, you did it as unto me. And I need to reset our hearts just for a minute because there's people that are hurting and dying every day. And when I went to this gentleman's vehicle to give him what I had to give him, his wife was there. And she's sitting in the car, and when she saw the gift that I gave, she immediately began crying. Because of just the, I believe it wasn't the amount, it was just the love of God. 
she could tangibly experience the love of God. And I began to pray over him and her, and they were just weeping and weeping in their car, and they were just they're crying. And I gave my phone number. I said, if you need anything, you know, reach out to me. It doesn't matter. Just, you know, I want to be here for you. And I want us to understand something. I don't believe that God would ever be pleased with the church that is just simply okay with getting to heaven unscathed from the world and simply just, you know, saying, okay, well, well, whew, I made it. I believe that he wants to see his people live and do and exemplify everything that he himself did. The Bible says, for in him we live, and we move, and we have our being. Amen? And so it's time for the church to once again reveal Christ. In 1 Timothy 6 and, 6 and verse 17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain. I love how he just throws that phrase in. He said, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Church, you are rich in Christ. Can somebody say amen? I said you are rich in Christ. You're not rich because of a number in your bank account or some tax bracket that you might fall under. You are rich solely because of Jesus. The Bible says that he makes the weak strong and that he makes the poor rich. For without him we would certainly not have hope in troubled times or treasure in heaven. But we can thank the Lord tonight because Christ himself has revealed himself to us. And we must reveal him to others. Amen? The second thing is this. We need to tell of his goodness. Let's look at verse 49. Luke 1 and 49 of the same story. Mary said, For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And so I want to see here, Mary proclaims the power of God. Two things were in her mind. The promised Messiah was about to be born. The hope of the world was now to be fulfilled after so many generations of waiting. And God's power was about to be demonstrated in a way that was never before witnessed. And that promised Messiah was to be born of a virgin. It was to be an event and a method that was never before witnessed. And it was going to be a great miracle that was about to be performed. And so this enormous power of God was about to be demonstrated even the birth, in the birth of the Messiah. And so as Mary testified, she said, He that is mighty has done great things for me. Church, if there has ever been a time for you to be loud and proud about your faith in Jesus, it is now. I said, it is now, because it's absolutely necessary to redirect the world's attention off of the gifts and the material things of this world and point them to the giver of all things, which is Jesus himself. And so Mary, in her song, she testifies of his goodness, and I believe that you and I should too. Psalm 96 and verse 3 says this, Declare his glory amongst the nations. His marvelous deeds amongst all people. 
It says, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Psalm 145 and verse 4 says, so one generation will commend your works to another and they will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And he says, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. And they will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. See, telling this world how good the Lord has been to you is so important, but it's not everything. Showing the world how much God loves them is even better. Showing the world how much God loves them is even better. I found this funny little story. I'll read this to you, and then we'll... We'll pray. There was a guy named Jim, and he was leaving church after Christmas, after the Christmas services when the pastor greeted him. And they said, Jim, he said, Jim, it's time you join the army of the Lord. He said, we need to see you every Sunday. He said, well, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. He says, then why do we only see you on Christmas and Easter? And Jim looked to the right Jim looked to the left, and he leaned over to whisper to the pastor. He said, because, that's because I'm in the secret service. Romans 10 and 14 says, how then can they call on the name of the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. It's time to show the world that Christmas once again begins with Christ. Amen? Would you stand to your feet tonight? I want us to pray. The Bible says that the moment that you and I had said yes to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit filled your heart and filled your life. At that point, the Bible declares in the book of 2 Corinthians that you became a new creation. And I believe the issue with the church in, in, in times like these is not so much that we need to get God in our hearts, it's that we need to get him out. It's that we need to be bold and declare and we need to tell of his faithfulness, of his goodness. We need to be unashamed of the power of the gospel. We need to be unashamed to be loud and proud about our faith. And it's in times like this when the enemy would want to pressure you and he would want to get people to renounce their faith and denounce their faith. That he would want to, you know, put things like fear and anxiety and he would want to put those things that he does you know, so well around us to pressure us to, to say nothing. And he would want to use individuals and he would want to use policies and he would want to use officials and he would want to use people of influence and power to try to cover up this Jesus that you and I have burning brightly inside of our hearts. And I think it's so important for us as the church, as the people of God, to stand once again in the boldness 
and declare just like they declared on that day. Peace to all men. To be those that could actually say, I know where my peace has come from. I know where my joy has come from. I know where my provision has come from. I know where the faithfulness of God has been in my life. And he has a name. And he's responsible for my salvation. He's responsible for the forgiveness of my sins. He's responsible for pulling me out of the pit of death and sin and hell and the grave that I was buried in at one time. And he is the one that was resurrected on the third day that pulled me out with him. His name is Jesus. His name is the matchless name of Jesus. And when we declare that to a lost and broken and hurting world, they will find freedom that we've found. They will find joy that we've found. They will find the peace of God that we have found when we simply reveal him to this world. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.